0: Welcome to LameStream here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall. You can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. My name is Steve Cavendish. You can follow me on
1: Twitter at Scavendish. If you like this show, please rate, review, subscribe. Smash that subscribe button. Tell 10, 15, 20, 50, 100 of your closest friends about the show. We'd really appreciate
0: it. No less than 100 individual people you must tell about this product. That and do, is- it a, do it on a group text. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds effective. Um, all right, our our guest on the show today, Jared Stillman. We will, of course, have we'll have recommendations, of course, coming up a little bit later on in the show. Jared Stillman, our guest, uh, a friend of mine for for years now. And when I heard about the the news, uh, the passing of of former Titans general manager and former coworker of mine, Floyd Reese, there was only one person. I wanted to talk to and I thought would do this subject justice. And we are incredibly grateful and thankful for Jared giving us a lot of his time to sort of talk through all of this stuff about Floyd. So uh, a really awesome conversation with Jared Stillman and not just about Floyd, but about doing radio and working with him and all kinds of other things that involve the the media world and and the sports business world. So uh, you'll hear that coming up in just a few minutes. But of course, Steve, Lame Stream is brought to you by jaspers it's always brought to you by jaspers the parking is free the happy hours are exceptional the food is out of this world the drinks are great the seating is wonderful the ambiance is amazing do i need to keep going here steve or are you going to say anything no you're good that's it like that
1: that's it that's it he's not the best play-by-play guy in the business no let's...
0: <laughs> what, what's the, Ow. no, I'm, I, I screwed up the line from major league. See, if you're going to, if you're going to make fun of me, at least get it right, Steve. Okay. He's,
1: He's not the best color guy in the business for nothing.
0: <laughs> Go to Jasper's everybody. It's just an awesome place to watch the game. We got football coming up, uh, you know, in like literally a couple of days, there's week zero this weekend. And then we've got Titans preseason game and then we got college football. So it's football season folks. And we got some fun things planned for you uh as well. I, I've got a, a, a quick story about Jared after the interview we're going to talk a little bit about floyd a little bit more after the interview but um, I, I really just think we're, we're going to let jared um, speak here because i don't think there's anybody better in this market or in this industry that could speak to who the who the man floyd reese was and and working with him and and being around him i don't think anybody could do it better than jared and like i said steve i think i speak for both of us when i say we are incredibly grateful for his time so here was our conversation with stillman and companies 1025 the games jared stillman Jared, welcome to the show, man. It is truly good to see your face. Obviously, we all wish it was under different circumstances, but uh, we are really, really grateful for you giving us some time today uh, considering. And so uh, it's really good to see you, man.
2: Man, I'm so glad to be on the podcast. Um, Obviously, you know, I think everybody, and and Braden, you were one of the first people that reached out to me when when the news broke on Saturday, uh, which I greatly appreciated. It's been tough, you know. I mean, I told the audience yesterday on the air, I started the show at 2 o'clock, and I said, look, I'm gutted, you know, this is uh, a different experience for me. And so I, I feel like being transparent about how you feel with all this stuff is probably what's most beneficial to me. So, yeah, I mean, I, I am not, you know, it, it hurts. It hurts a lot, but I don't think it hurts a lot unless you have what uh, I feel like the relationship I had with Floyd was. And so uh, as much as I miss him, I, I really do, really do cherish all the memories that we had together.
0: I would recommend everybody going back and listening to to Monday's show in particular. Um, you know, we'll we'll get into sort of how the show came about and how you guys settled on that format. You actually told a good, a really funny story about being in the conference room. I, I absolutely recommend the final ten minutes of the show, Jared. I, I was, you know, incredibly moved. I thought you did a wonderful job, and and I think Floyd would be proud of you. What what was your conversations with Caroline, with your produce, your production staff, with management? was it just left up to sort of how you felt about it? Like what, what did, what were the preparations like for Monday's show to honor Floyd the way you guys wanted to do it appropriately?
2: Well, I, I knew that this was going to be one of the hardest shows I ever did. It probably will end up being the hardest show that I ever hosted, but it, I, in my head, I had been thinking about this show for the last nine months. Um, and that's what probably made it. I mean, the anxiety level going into it, I, I think definitely hurt a lot. I, I, I knew that everybody was going to be listening at two o'clock and I felt like that the fans deserved the opportunity to say goodbye too. And I I know that it hurt me in my heart that I wasn't able to go see him at the end. Um, That, that was his wishes. He was just a very private person. Um, He didn't want people to see him in the state that he was in at the, at the end of his battle with cancer. He, He wanted people to remember him as somebody in his family told me, I can curse on this, right? Oh, yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah.
2: They, they said they want he wants everybody to remember him as the GM who gave you shit, not the guy who was battling cancer and had lost all the weight. And and I understood that. Um, but so I, I looked at it as an opportunity for me to say goodbye. But I also looked at it as an opportunity for a guy that was just beloved in this town for the, the fans to say goodbye. And it, it really, you know, as far as management was concerned, I, I told Ryan Porth this on Sunday, which was we're going to do four hours of talking about Floyd and anybody who wants to say a few words can say a few words. So, you know, we reached out to Alabama, we reached out to the Seahawks, we reached out to the Patriots. We say, Hey, if, uh, if coach Sabin would like to come on and say a few words, if uh, we weren't chasing anybody, I, I really, you know, it wasn't like, okay, you know, well, if Nick can't do today, can coach Saban do, it was kind of just like, if coach Saban wants to say a few words, we'd love to have coach Saban say a few words. And that was the way I approached it. And I told Ryan, I said, I am not going to worry about anybody else on Monday because the only person that I can worry about getting through that is me. And um, I mean, Braden, you know, Ian, and, and I know you guys have had Caroline on and, and just what really hurt me was that i don't think people know how close ian and floyd were and so when all the news broke everybody was calling me and everybody was texting me and everybody was saying you know jared i'm thinking about you but i, I wanted to make sure people didn't forget about ian either because ian and floyd were very very close um, we we had a really tight-knit group and so i told i called ian in the morning and i said hey if you want to say a few words about floyd i would love for you to do that if you don't want to say a few words about floyd because ian is, is more of a shy person I was like, if you don't want to say a few words about Floyd, I understand. And he said, no, I want to say a few words. And I really, you know, I was breaking down the whole show. But I think when Ian talked about, you know, how much he was going to miss Floyd, I think that really got to me some. And, you know, Caroline, I I thought, I I felt like, I felt like I put on a four hour funeral for somebody, a memorial service. And I I wasn't trying to do that. But the one thing that I really appreciated was I felt like Caroline understood it. And I felt like Caroline knew on Monday that her role was just to make sure that everything went through as smoothly as possible uh, on her end. And I, she did a fantastic job. And, and I, one thing I really appreciate about Caroline, um, I, I don't know if people know this about Friday show, but I caught news at about four o'clock that Floyd probably wasn't going to make it through the weekend. And we were in the middle of a segment, and I got a text message, and I read the text message, and um, we were talking about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because I had just been at Bucks practice, and the Titans play the Bucs, and we were talking about whether or not Tampa was going to have a Super Bowl hangover. And Caroline was talking, and I, I just looked up and I just started saying over and over again, "It's tough," and I just started breaking down, and I, I had to walk away from the show um, for the rest of the day Friday because I, I just couldn't do it anymore. And I think that the responsibility that Caroline has taken on. I, over the last couple of days is, is, really not that I'm surprised by it, but I really appreciated it. And, um, you know, Teron Davenport jumped on and her and TD did the show on Friday and I, I really appreciated that. And, and so again, the whole concept of the show to me was just, I did it for an audience of eight. I did it for Floyd's wife, Sally. I did it for his two sons, Sean and Jeremy. I did it for his daughter-in-law Katie and I did it for his four grandkids. And, um, and I'm glad that the audience, that the audience felt the way they did, but I really did it for them. And when Sally called me after the show to to tell me how proud she was of me, that that's when it really hit me.
1: I get that. Just how Floyd, how private uh, Floyd was. Was it hard to walk around with this for all these months? I mean, you knew this was coming. This is this was not a. This was not going to be some sort of kind of miracle recovery thing. he when when he stepped away it was you know he he was he was in a he was in a really bad battle
2: uh so i i think the way kind of to break down the anatomy of how that all worked out I, i mean i i think that we all have hope in certain things so when he under when he started undergoing chemotherapy you know i i was hopeful that he would win that battle with cancer i mean i i was hopeful that, and I I know Braden has been through a lot of this himself, and I know everybody's been affected by somebody with cancer in their lives, but I I had this hope in my mind that Floyd would win his battle against cancer and would come back, probably not in some capacity to to do the radio show with me, but just in some capacity to be a a presence in our community. And, um, you know, I wasn't updated every day or every week or every month on Floyd's progress but I got enough updates over time that at one point there was some hope that perhaps that he could be headed in the right direction. Um, it was really about a week, you know, I I found out on Thursday how bad things had gotten. I was in Tampa Bay. It was after the radio show. And, um, I spent all Thursday night in tears. I flew back first thing, Friday morning, uh, which was when I was coming home anyways. And I, I just was upset all day Friday I told you guys I had to step away from the show when I heard how thing, how bad things were on Friday. And then um, all Friday night, I mean, I, I really had a tough time Friday night, really had a tough time Saturday morning. And then Sally called me and, and gave me the news. And she told me, she said, I, I want you to be the one to tell everybody. Um, so to answer your question, Steve, yeah, I mean, it was really hard. It was really, really hard to carry this around. But I think there was some hope for me that he'd win this battle and... If not for anything else, at least win it temporarily. So maybe there was another three, four, five years um, as opposed to nine months. But once we got word that he was not winning his battle, um, it, it was really, really hard. And it was really, really hard to do the radio show on Friday, which is, is why I couldn't. Um, and and telling the people on Saturday, uh, I just I felt like the one thing that I took a lot of solace out of was – that when I watched the Titans TV broadcast, I had talked to Corey Curtis, uh, who's going to be on the sidelines doing the the game on News 2 before the game, and I gave him Floyd's son's phone number, and I said, you know, just talk to Sean. And when Corey came on the broadcast and they talked about Floyd and Chris Sanders on the pregame show on News 2, uh, it made me feel the reaction from the fans was like a star player had passed away. And that was really all I wanted. Braden, you worked with Floyd, so you know how humble he was and how he didn't like to pump his own tires about how great of a general manager he was. Um, But I think if anything, perhaps the fact that I'm not the most humble person in the world probably probably did that for him, talking about all of his accomplishments all the time. And I was glad that the Titans recognized that and put him in the ring of honor. And I was glad the fans recognized that um, in, in the way that they mourned his passing over the weekend.
0: And I think one of the most important things you said in your broadcast on Monday was that he is the most important human being involved in the Tennessee Titans organization, full stop. Like that, that's it. And you you get, I I would love to know you get, you know, Sally calls you and says, Hey, I'd like you to be the one to, to tell people. And that's a huge piece of breaking news sort of just in a, in just a, a traditional sense but it means so much more obviously to you. How difficult is it to choose the words in that situation to actually uh, write it to, to just write a simple tweet like that? Like how hard is that?
2: It's funny you say that because I had had a statement prepared for when Floyd had passed that I was going to release. And, um, because you guys know how this works, you know, I'm not a famous person, but if there's anything that anybody wants a quote from me on it, it's Floyd Reese. Um, And so I had had a statement prepared that I was going to release at the time. And uh, when Sally called me and she said, I want you to, I want you to be the one to tell the people. I I then realized that, you know, in the traditional sense, when somebody who's a hall of famer of a team, which Floyd is now essentially a, a hall of famer of the Titans, that they usually have the team release it. The family usually tells the team. And so I was expecting that the Reese's would tell the Titans uh, so when Sally told me she wanted me to tell people, I decided that um, that whole statement I just scrapped and, and I sat there and I knew the news was coming. So when Sally called me, I was at my parents' house and I told my mom mid-sentence, I just go, Sally's calling. And I answered the phone and I talked to Sally and, um, and my mom just gave me this big bear hug. And that's when I just said, okay, I'm just going to say how I feel um, in a respectful way. And honestly, Braden, it was just, it was a tweet like any other tweets, like those meltdown tweets that you guys used to laugh at all the time, you know, during a Titans game, just in the living room of the house, me just very emotional, um, different kind of emotions, obviously. But, um, but I just, I put it out there. I wanted people to know. The one thing that I wanted people to know, and I told Corey Curtis, this, um, is how much Floyd loved the fans because when he, started when they moved to Nashville, they had a good team, like they had good players, but they didn't have fans. And I think there was a worry that, you know, this was a college town and not a pro sports town. And how are they going to get people to believe in these teams and people like the Steelers and people like the 49ers and people like the. And so after their Memphis debacle in 97, when they had no fans, uh, I think that Floyd worked really, really hard to to build this fan base and obviously getting to the Super Bowl helps. But I know he always took pride in the fans and Titans hats and Titans shirts and, and Titans license plates and, and all of that. So I just wanted the fans to know how much he cared about them. And um, I know how much the fans cared about him. And, and I think that was the most important thing I wanted to get through when I delivered that message. And then I, I did call the Titans because he is a Ring of Honor member for that team. And um, I know that the, the Patriots had reached out And Bill Belichick wanted to release a statement. And uh, I I just felt like the Titans would be the ones that would handle that, that have the capacity to do that. So it was important to me to, as soon as I got off the phone with Sally, I sent out the tweet and I got on the phone with the Titans. And I, and I unfortunately had to give them the news.
1: What was it like? There was a lot of, uh, there was a lot of extra audio. Uh, You guys had pulled promos that he did and and, and other stuff kind of throughout the show, which I thought was, I thought was really sort of interesting. and it's, it was interesting to listen to him because you're not listening to him for whatever the, 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 the spot is or the, where the promo is, uh, at that point, you're just listening for his voice and kind of his inflections.
0: The fireworks, how, the fireworks one. The fireworks is my favorite <laughs> one. <laughs>
1: how did you, how did you assemble all that? And, and, and when did you start doing it? Because obviously you knew, you know, this, this was going to come at some point.
2: So I think there were a couple of things, um, you know, the a lot of that audio, I think that Ryan Porth and, and Ian Safar, our producer, had kind of come up with, you know, over time. We, we had a send-off show for Floyd when we announced that he was leaving the program, and I think a lot of people were very perplexed as to why he just up and quit the program, um, and so we had a send-off show the day that we announced Floyd was leaving, and I broke down during that show, too. I knew what was going on, but I don't think that a lot of other people knew, and it was very much a secret and Floyd very much didn't want people knowing, which was very difficult on me to, to host that send-off show. But the reason that that off show was so important was because I was hoping that he was listening. You know, that was like an audience of one kind of thing. And um, so we had some of that audio already prepared. Uh, on Wednesday, Tom Brady had a press conference and I asked the last question about his experiences with Floyd in New England. And I did that because I knew Floyd was going through a tough time. And I was hoping that perhaps the things that Brady said about him and their relationship would cheer him up. So we had that Tom Brady audio. Um, But, you know, Ian Ian did just a great job and and the staff did a great job of putting all that together. And I'm not going to lie to you. When I was driving around Monday morning, I went to the Titans facility to get a COVID test. Um, And when I was driving around and I heard the first one of those uh, Floyd Reese kind of send off vignettes uh, I, I literally broke down and I had to turn it off because I I couldn't and I'm like, Oh my God, how am I going to get through these four hours? Um, but I, I thought it was, I just thought it was spectacular. I thought it was spectacular from everybody around. And, and the one thing that I, that I said about Ian, but I also mean about everybody at the radio station and Braden you're included in this too. Um, was I know I'm not the only person over there that, that was hurting, you know, all, over the weekend and on Monday. And, and I just, you know, I hope everybody was thinking about them, too, and not just me.
0: Um, all right. Let's I, I would love to get into working with him and and Sorry. maybe share some of the, the the tricky and also the fun memories. Um, you know, I certainly like I said, like you just alluded to, I had a couple of years w- working as a coworker. I certainly did plenty of shows with him when you were out, for example. Um, I had the pleasure and the honor to to get a few minutes of, of his time in my career, which I, I, I absolutely cherish. Um, but I do find interesting because he was such a private guy. Now he was willing to talk with you about your family. He talked to me about my kids and any struggles I had. Like he was always very open and kind, just all the things that everybody has said about him over the course of the last week. But because he was so private, there were so many times I'd be listening to you alls show where it was about Sabin or Alabama or Belichick or the Patriots or certain strategies or whatever. And Floyd, you know, floyd was floyd he was gonna keep it close to the vest even on the radio when your job is to tell everybody what's going on and i just i've never met a human being that could do that more deftly than floyd reese how hard was it to try to get some of that stuff out of him when you knew he had such valuable nuggets and he was trying to keep it close to the vest
2: yeah john mcclain wrote in the houston chronicle that everybody that knows floyd has floyd reese stories but I think he and I and the people that worked so close with him, you know, I, we got 5 billion Floyd Reese stories. And I'm glad you brought this up because I couldn't get all those in, in the four hours. And there were so many stories after the radio show was over Monday that I was like, Oh, I wish I had told this story or oh, I meant to tell that story. And um, one of them was when, when the Titans had fired Mike Malarkey and they were looking to hire a new coach. Now Floyd's in a very uncomfortable situation. He coached Mike Malarkey in Minnesota He worked with John Robinson in New England. I mean, these are his friends. And so he's in a really uncomfortable situation. And anytime you're looking for a new coach, it's always the speculation of, oh, what about this guy? What about that guy? Should they go after that guy? Get this guy. Um, And the name Josh McDaniels came up. And we were talking about, you know, would Josh McDaniels be a good coach for the Titans? And I said, do you think McDaniels would be a good coach? And he looked at me, and as I'm sure everybody who listened to the radio show knows, he looked at me and said, Uh, I don't know. I mean, he's a good coordinator. I I don't know if he'd be a good head coach. I'm like, what do you mean you don't know if he'd be a good head coach? You worked with him for four years. And he was like, he's like, ah, but you know what a guy's like as a head coach and what he's like as a, I'm like, come on. And he just looks at me and I swear dead ass in the eyes and I shit you not. I mean, he was looking at me like, Hey, shut the F up. And he looks at me and he goes, You can say whatever you want and nobody cares. But if I say something, it's the front page of ESPN.com and it's up in that facility. And I'm not putting those people in that situation that they have to feel like they should or shouldn't hire somebody because of what I say. And I heard it and this was all on the air and I heard it and I'm like, that man makes a good point. And I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) and I remember thinking it and internally I was like, yes. Yes, because everybody in their cars probably heard that, you know, when I'm like, would McDaniels be a good coach? And they're probably like, Floyd, come on, stop, you know, stop not getting it out there. Stop bullshitting. And he's sitting there like when he explains it like that, I think everybody is like, OK, we respect why Floyd doesn't want to go there. And so sometimes you had to get that out of him a little bit. Um, you know, sometimes there, there were just days where I knew we were going to argue um, about things, you know, Vrabel did something I didn't like, and I knew we'd argue about it. And I think one thing that I picked up on was he wasn't very critical of Vrabel or Robinson, but when he was critical, he did it like in his own way. And, um, I'll give you an example. He was so against signing Jadavian Clowney. Like, I like he was so against it. He wanted no part of Clowney and at the end, when they were talking about bringing him in right before the start of the season, he said he'd offer minimum salary and that's it. I'm like, okay, all right. Whatever. But he was so against it. When they signed him for 12 and a half million bucks, Floyd kind of turned his tune where he was like, I understand why they did what they did. Here's what, and I said, wait a minute, you were so anti-clowny and now you're saying you understand why they did what they, what are you, what are you talking about? He goes, I said, I understand why they did what they did. I would not have done that, but that's why, and I'm like, okay, that's the closest he's going to get to criticizing John (laughs) Robinson. And, um, and, you know, I, I think there were times where I think it bothered me maybe a little bit that he wasn't kind of more open. And I think I got to the point to where people understood why he was that way. And I think I, I enjoyed kind of being the digger, you know, where I was trying to dig, you know, And, and so I would try to like rephrase questions and try to, you know, almost like a, like an investigator or a lawyer. And I think that was part of our, you know, part of our chemistry was that, you know, he was so measured and so private. And so, and here I was just trying to gossip all the time. And, uh, and, and I think that that was kind of one of the things that I found fun was when I knew he wasn't going to want to talk about something and I knew we had to talk about something. And, uh, and I always thought that was fun. And then I also too think that, um, you know, sometimes like in sheer honesty, I don't know if you guys remember this. Vanderbilt played a an NCAA tournament game, you know, three, four, five years ago. And Vanderbilt, I think, had a one-point lead or it was a tied game. And Matthew Fisher Davis, not knowing the score, fouls the guy from Northwestern, oh. thinking they were behind, and it puts the guy at the free throw line. Oh. And so one of the topics on the show that I wanted to to do was what would Floyd say if he was coaching Matthew Fisher Davis? So Floyd gets the grid and he looks at it and he goes, what do you want me to say when it comes to what I would say if I was coaching Matthew Fisher Davis? I was like, you know, like after the game, like words of encouragement, you know, what would you say? He goes, I go up to him at his locker and I say, what the fuck? You cost us the fucking game. <laughs> and I was like, all right, maybe we should do another topic here and, uh, and, and not do that one. Um, but but that was always kind of the fun part.
0: Lamestream sports is brought to you by Jasper. Jaspers. And when I think about football season and I think about football coming soon, Steve, I think about sitting at a neighborhood watering hole, drinking a tall, cool, frosty beverage eating some piping hot wings, and watching football. And that is soon to be here, my friend. And Jaspers is the place for you to do it. Coming down on next, well, next Thursday night. We, we do have week zero college football games. Uh, Nebraska and Illinois, I think. But, like, whatever. It really, Tennessee Volunteers Football, for example, gets started next Thursday evening. Uh, Steve Cavendish, you are at Jaspers on Thursday evening. And you're about to sit down and watch football on Thursday night for the opening of college football season. What does Steve Cavendish's perfect meal look like when you are out at a sports bar, Jaspers, watching your team play?
1: I gotta have wings, so I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go Red Rum uh, roasted wings, and then I love the hoppers, uh, at Jaspers. I just can't stop eating them. And matter of fact, I have to push the plate out of my arms length uh, <laughs> in order to prevent, you know, maybe spoiling the rest of my dinner. It's just, it's just so good. It's just that, you know, the, that tempura cauliflower comes with a little, little pea pesto or a little, little feta cream. There's that red bell kind of stuff. You can drag uh, red bell pepper stuff you can kind of drag through. So that's fantastic. Uh, so, so that's what I start with. And then, and then after that, it sort of depends on the, it sort of depends on the, I've been, I've been in sort of a burger mood recently. Mm, okay. uh, and so, you know, you go, you go like classic on the burger. The, the the Jasper burger very good i you know it holds up holds up well against uh what yeah. is what i would characterize as staunch burger competition around town
0: uh this and is then, a good, this is a good burger town and jasper's burgers are right up there
1: yeah they're really they're, they're, they're really good it's just a class it's just a straight up classic burger uh and or you know if i want to take 35 minutes off my life i can do the i can do the dog <laughs> because it's got the avocado smash on top of it but uh it's it's actually a veggie dog yeah. Do, do I get minutes back for having the veggies on? <laughs> uh, and, and what are we drinking? So you got your
0: burger, you got your wings and you got your poppers. What are we drinking?
1: If it's a football game, I, I know that I'm going to want to do something kind of, it's going to, you can't start out too hard. So, <laughs> uh, I, so I'm probably going the Blackberry Farms uh, Classic Saison. It is a near perfect food beer. It just, it just blends really well with whatever you're eating. I, I can't do like, like, you can't do something like too hoppy with, with with food some of the like west coast ipas uh that are out there you like kind of blow your palate out when you're when you're when you're sitting down and you want and you're wanting to enjoy the food
0: uh, i was a, i was about to strongly disagree but i do agree it needs to be an east coast or perhaps a middle tennessee ipa perhaps a middle tennessee hazy there's plenty of those that are served um, at jaspers
1: you can also go like zon's uh, uh makes makes a great pale ale, which is just like perfect with food Uh, you can, you can do, you can do that too. It's not, it's not overly hopped.
0: So get this Steve Cavendish, get this on Thursday nights while you'll be watching Tennessee, you can get a burger and beer for $10. You get a $15 Jasper's burger and an $8 size on for $10. That is, that's less than half price. That is madness. That's absolute madness. Thursdays, go watch college football. So, what's your what's your menu lineup? What do you well, what are you doing here? My menu also has to have, I have I, I, wings are my number one go to, Super Bowl, college football, national championship. My favorite team playing in any sporting event. Wings got to go with wings. So, red rum wings. I totally agree with you. Got to go get the red rum wings or the fire or firecrackers. Good too. I then have to have some sort of dips. I need dips. So you go queso chips and rinds from Jaspers. Their queso, look, there's a lot of quesos in this city that turn into a big block of, of like clogged artery in your gut. And they don't stay, you know, you know gooey very long. They, they, they harden up real fast when they're sitting on the table. Not at Jaspers. Not at Jaspers, folks. That queso stays soupy and creamy and delicious and dippable for the entirety of the game. It's fantastic. So I want wings and I want dips, okay? Those are my first two. Now, I normally would go pizza next. Well, guess what? Jasper's has some of that too. They've got flatbreads. They've got a shrimp scampi flatbread. They've got a Hawaiian fried-o chicken flatbread. And my personal favorite, the Don Antonio prosciutto, fresh mozzarella, Parmesan, baby spinach, some, some bolognese. Oh, I love
1: how you just turned into... Bolognese? Somebody who is like off-the-boat Italian here.
0: Mozzarella.
1: <laughs> to, <pronounce, laughs> to, pronounce, to pronounce the ingredients <laughs> on the Don Antonio.
0: So I want pizza, I want dips, and I want wings, and Jasper's has all of that. Uh, and if you do want a burger and a beer on a Thursday, they got an unbelievable deal uh, as well. I, I, there, there's there's my menu. It's look, they've got great stuff on the menu. That you can get, you know, scallops on there. You can get steak and egg. You can get all kinds of good stuff. Not it's not really game food per se. It's more like uh, you know dinner food with the wife. And as far as the cocktails go, of course, order the gold standard, obviously um but again i'm with you if i'm watching a football game i feel like i need to, to drink a beer I, I feel like i have to have a beer so give me a bearded iris home style and i'll drink it's it with tough i'll take it with my wings all of that stuff you can get at jaspers what should people do steve they should go to jaspers you know why it's the
1: next evolution of the sports bar One of the most interesting things, uh, I think about having Floyd on air was, I mean, he's obviously there because of his football experience and, you know, at the station, you're talking football, you know, outside of the Predators, you're talking football, what 90% of the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but occasionally there'd be some kind of Floyd fish out of water kind of, kind of pieces. Uh, like I remember when the, when there was the, uh, uh, when Nashville SC was going to make their big announcement, and I can't remember, it, it, was it both of you or one of you was doing a remote from from the announcement? Uh, and and it, but it, because it happened like right in the middle of your show, mm-hmm. what do you what do you what you do to kind of prep Floyd for for the, for sort of those situations where I mean that's not his element. I mean he's not going to come on there and talk soccer for an hour.
2: So I think we, I can't remember the specifics of this. I think we had been tipped off ahead of time that this was what was going to happen. And um, I believe we had the USL rights at that point and we're very close with Nashville SC. And so we actually did the radio show from the event. You know, they let us into the Country Music Hall of Fame and we did the show from the event. And I, I have two stories about that that I love to tell. One is that, you know, this is a big event, big announcement. And I'm like, I told Floyd, I was like, yeah, like I'm gonna wear a suit today, and he's like, okay. So I'm wearing a suit to this event. Ryan Porth's there; he's wearing a suit.
0: I, I um, was standing next to Philip Forsberg, I think. At, at this, this this there's a lot of people there at this event. A
2: lot of people, and it's a big event, and yeah. you know we're gonna have the mayor on, and we're gonna have John Ingram on, and we're gonna have the commissioner on, and we're gonna, and so I'm wearing a suit. Floyd shows up, one oh two five. The game fleece, <laughs> blue jeans. I'm ready to go, baby. And I was like, "What happened to wearing a suit?" He goes, "You said you were going to wear a suit. I did that for 30 years. I'm not interested in that anymore. I'm good." And uh, the same thing. We had an announcement where David Poyle got put into the U.S. Hockey Hall of Fame, and I'm wearing a suit and a tie, and we're doing the show from the U.S. Hockey Hall of Fame. We have Commissioner Bettman on, and. We- And Floyd's wearing a fleece and he's wearing blue jeans like, nope, I've done enough of that suit. I'm not into that shit anymore. And uh, that was one of my favorites. But to your point, Steve, about, you know, him not being a soccer guy, I actually that show. I mean, I'm not a huge soccer guy either. That show, I thought, was incredibly unique because if there's anybody who knows about starting a franchise or moving a franchise into Nashville, it's Floyd Reese. And I think he was able to kind of offer that. Floyd loved Nashville. I mean, they could have lived anywhere in the world that they wanted to live. They had so much money and they decided to move back here. And um, those were always topics that we enjoyed was talking about the city. Um, And and no, he wasn't a big soccer guy, but I mean, I think he understood the importance of pro sports, certainly in the market. Uh, Eddie George was part of that committee that day that announced it. We had Eddie George on and and Floyd could have been happier to have, have sat there with Eddie for a while. So I think to your point, Steve, it it was just like every topic that we had, you had to make it somewhat relatable to Floyd. But I also felt like making it relatable to Floyd also kind of made it relatable to the audience at the time. And so that's why I I was telling people that I had heard that when Floyd was battling cancer, and again, very privately, that his sons would come over and they'd watch the hockey playoff games together. And I got such a kick out of that because when we started this show, there was a lot of worry that the Predators weren't going to get talked about because, you know, Willie Donick had been on the afternoon show before Floyd and I did it. And so you had kind of a Preds element there and now that's gone. And Floyd's not a hockey guy. Floyd's a football guy. And, you know, we had to assure our partners with the Predators and our bosses that we would not forget about the Predators and we would, you know, talk about them and whatever. And, um, you know, here's Floyd who, who didn't give, you know, two craps about hockey before he started doing this. And here he is at 73 years old watching hockey playoff games with his son. And I think that kind of, I looked back on it when I talked to Sean Henry on Saturday and it was kind of like, you know, Floyd in that sense represented the common man who didn't really care that much about the predators or care that much about hockey who just fell in love with it, you know, after 2016, 17, 18. And, um, and I thought he was a great ambassador for that to be on the flagship station of that team. I thought he was a great ambassador, even though he wasn't a hockey guy. And uh, Terry Crisp had, had a very nice tweet about Floyd. And I saw it and, and I almost started tearing up. And I told Crispy, I said, he respected you more than most. And um, I, I think that that's because I think Floyd represented a lot of the people in Nashville, even though he was the GM. And I, I think that that helped out more than anything.
0: Just get me to the playoffs. <laughs> just get me to the playoffs. I cannot tell you how many times you would be screaming at him about a power play situation or a line combination or an injury or a statistic. And he would just look at you and he'd go, just get me to the playoffs, baby. Just, just get me I, to the playoffs.
2: I think though, like that, that was so important. I, I, and I don't want to like, you know, I think everybody elevates their self-importance probably a little bit. Braden, I think you would argue that perhaps maybe I elevate my self-importance more than the average person uh, does this, but...
0: I would would never do that.
2: (laughs) I, I think during that 2017 run, Floyd being such an average Joe talking about hockey and getting into it, I think was very relatable for the fans. And that we were talking about line combinations and we were talking about coaching decisions and we were talking about things people said... But we didn't get too into it that the fans that were just joining, you know, could tune in and not really understand. If anything, I think the fans that were just getting on board could tune in and listen and almost be educated enough to feel like they could say stuff about the team. And that's why when I saw the tweet, the predators put out about Floyd, um, you know, sending their condolences to us and the Reese family and everything, it really got me because obviously the relationship between Floyd and the Titans is well documented and, and he's enshrined or will be enshrined for forever as a Titans legend. But I thought that the respect the predators had for Floyd and the respect Floyd had for the predators really told you how much of a Nashville guy he was.
1: You would, do you wish that enshrinement had come earlier?
2: Um, I, I think so. Uh, I, you know, I had been told that, you know, when the, the, the Ring of Honor was a really a, a Bud Adams thing, and then when Bud Adams passed, the Titans and I think we can all agree the Titans had so many issues. There was a lot of things to worry about, as opposed to the Ring of Honor. Um, there were perhaps some some broken bridges between Floyd and the Titans that needed time, and they needed, uh, you know, him to repair, and not him to repair, but more like them to repair, and, and just let time heal these bridges. Um, in 2019. I went to CMA Fest and I was on a first date with somebody that I had nothing in common with. And so we're at CMA Fest and, and they're switching over the bands. And it takes like 30 minutes to take, you know, Jake Owen's band off and put uh, lady Annabellum's band on, or I guess lady a now to put lady a's band on. And so me and this girl are on a first date, we got nothing in common. And so the, the conversation's kind of like, ah, but I'm looking up at the stadium. And I see the ring of honor and I see Mike Holovac's in there. And I'm like, you know, Floyd had more wins than Mike Holovac. Floyd got to the Super Bowl. Mike Holovac didn't. Floyd got to two AFC championship games. I'm like, I think he should be up there. Well, it's June radio, and this is June of 19. And we're at a sudden service out in, you know, I can't even remember. Clarksville, Springfield, is somewhere. And I just said, you know, hey, last night I was at CMA Fest, Floyd, and this is on the air. I'm like, and I looked up, and I, you should be in the, in the Titans Ring of Honor. And I think you should be in there, and I think Jeff Fisher should be in there, and I think Keith Bullock should be in there. And I, and he was like, oh, yeah, Keith should be in there, and Jeff should be in there, and those guys should definitely be in there. And I said, but you should be in there too. And he looks at me and goes, how was CMA Festival last night? Was the concert good? Was, a, was the show good? And um, from that moment on – You know, when he would be out, you know, on his Turks and Caicos vacations, I would (laughs) always talk about how I thought he should be in the ring of honor. I would always bring it up. Chris Sanders and I would bring it up with him right there to make him uncomfortable. But I mean, to answer your point, Steve, yeah, I I do think that he should have been in there earlier. Uh, It's unfortunate that he won't be there for the, for the announcement. I will say this. I believe the Titans made the decision they made when they made that decision and announced that decision when they announced it because they knew that it was important for him to know. Um, And I don't know what the Titans knew or what they didn't know, but I have a hard time believing that the Titans didn't know. And so uh, yes, to your point, I I do wish that we had had the full celebration that we had been able to have parties, um, you know, celebrate Floyd's legacy and, and what it means for him to go into the ring of honor It will be somber in November when they officially put him in there, but Floyd was never somebody who wanted everybody to clap for him. He was never the guy who wanted the entire stadium to stand up and cheer. Um, So for him to know before he passed that his achievements would be, you know, immortalized in Titans history, that's enough for me. Um, And I I hope that it was enough for him.
0: Jared, I want to – you know bring bring you on again at some point because people ask me all the time about you and and I I say guys I, I there's nobody in this market that executes the science of radio better than Jared Stillman he he understands it has studied it and 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 understands how to truly do the job better than almost anybody else I've ever been around and so I do want to spend some time with you at some point in the future discussing all of this Um, but you've been gracious enough with your time today. I don't want to take any more of it. So I want to, I want you to leave the audience with, with just this as a radio host, as a person on the air, because you, you know, you worked with them for so long. Like, how did you change as a broadcaster? How did you change as a radio host? Because you worked with Floyd Reese.
2: I think that you know when you're young, you emulate the people that you see or the people that you want to be, and I don't think I'm any different in the sense that there are you know two broadcasters I think had a, a ton of influence on my radio career, Michael Felger, who does the afternoon show in Boston, and Colin Cowherd, and those guys are very tough, especially Felger in Boston, and and I wanted to be like that. You know, I wanted to to hold teams accountable and 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 rip people's rear ends and. You know, if people fucked up, then they fucked up. And I wanted to be the one to point the fingers and yell. And someone needed to be fired, then they need to be fired and and all of that. I think what Floyd brought was credibility to my radio career that you can't get anywhere else. Um, You know, Coach Saban called on Monday. And he asked me, he said, Jared, how are you doing? And I, you know, Nick Saban... I think we all know Nick Saban's not just calling anybody. And I I think it was the respect that he had for the partnership that Floyd and I had. And and that meant a lot to me. And uh, Pete Carroll, same way. And I think that that credibility, I I told Floyd's daughter-in-law yesterday, I said, doing the radio show with him was like getting a guest pass to the most exclusive sports country club of all time. It's like, you know, I'm not a member of the club, but at the combine, I'm up in the box with Matt Patricia and Josh McDaniels and uh, Bob Quinn and Dean Pease and you know what I call the Patriot Brotherhood, Nick Casario, and, and we're up there hanging out. And I know, I mean, I'm, I've got a guest pass. I, I'm not invited to this club. I'm not a member, um, but I have a guest pass. And it's one thing you know, when you just say crazy stuff all the time or you just have hot takes and opinions – you know, it's very easy for people to dismiss that or dismiss what you do as ah, you know, I one of these crazy guys trying to get headlines, trying to get clicks, trying to, but when you have Floyd Reese on your show, the credibility that he brought, you know, the what he brought to that radio show and that radio station and, and my career, uh, I said this at the end of the show on Monday, and it's probably one of the hardest lines I've ever had to say, but a part of me died with him on Saturday morning, but a part of him will live on in me for forever. And I, I really truly believe that. So how he made me a better broadcaster, he made me a better person. He made me more thoughtful. He taught me so much about the game, He taught me so much about life. He taught me so much about how to treat people. Um, there was one time where I had, I had, really, I had really pissed somebody off. And I didn't think that what I did was all that bad, but I had really pissed somebody off.
0: It probably wasn't.
2: And management was, they weren't mad at me, but they were kind of like, okay, let's, you know, kind of figure this out. Let's get this, you know, school, let's whatever. And so it's during a break. And I told Floyd, I was like, yeah, I got called into the office today because so-and-so was mad about such and such. And Floyd just looks at me, just turns over and goes, fuck them. And I was like, you know what? Yeah. (laughs) yeah, fuck him. And I was like, (laughs) he's right. And, um, and that kind of, you know, that kind of, I don't say that kind of advice, but that kind of mentality that, you know, if Floyd Reese is saying that you're good, then you're good. And those are the things I'm going to, I'm going to miss the credibility he brought. I'm going to miss the kind of person he was. Uh, I'm going to miss, you know, the insight that we all got on football. And, and I, I, don't think that that credibility can ever be replaced. And so I am just glad that I had it. I just felt lucky enough to be able to experience it. And um, I'm glad the fans recognized how great he was for our city and for our radio show.
0: Jared, um, I cannot express how grateful we are that you were willing to talk with us and sort of give us some insight into how, uh, working with him was sort of what the last week has been like for you and your decisions as a radio host, but also as a friend and as a person. I can uh, totally agree with everything you just said about how I've seen you change. You've been there for me when I've needed you in the past. And uh, I think you were there this week for the people of Nashville who needed you um, as uh, to try to explain Floyd Reese to everybody and what he's meant to us. And uh, I think he would be proud of you. I know the family's proud of you. I'm proud of you. Uh, I think you do, you've did. you done a wonderful job, and uh, thank you for giving us some time. We really appreciate it.
2: Braden, Steve, thank you guys so much. Anytime to talk about the GM.
0: That was Jared Stillman of 102.5 The Game, of course, in the afternoons. Stillman and company currently, obviously, Jared and the GM. And um, if you go back and listen to our conversation with Caroline, his current co-host. You'll notice that I struggled the entire interview with saying Jared Stillman and company. <laughs> I kept, because my brain was trained for so many years to say Jared and the GM. And he was such a huge part of our afternoons. You know, personally, I had a chance to get to know Floyd a little bit and I cherish those moments. Um, Jared, I think Steve is a, a far more thoughtful and introspective and compassionate and kind and caring person than I think anybody truly realizes because, and I've told this to his, to his face, so this is not new information here, Then he really portrays on the air very much. Um, in fact, we were talking at Titans practice on Thursday about this. I, you know, you, you don't he doesn't let a lot of that into the show. And I thought what made Monday's show so exceptional and why I was so proud of the job he did was that he gave people the whole Jared Stillman. And um, I, I thought he did a great job and, and I, I'm so grateful that he talked with us today.
1: I didn't catch it live. I, I, went, I went back and I was going to catch kind of select pieces of it because I knew he had done this kind of like really kind of emotional goodbye at the end and, and some other stuff. And then I ended up going back and listening to a, a whole lot of the show because it was really, really good. And I, and, and I like, uh, you know, I, I like Floyd Reese a lot. I, I thought he was a really, really interesting guy. But I, I thought that the way they constructed that show was really excellent. And that they they got a lot of voices in there. I, I said this in during, during the interview. I, I I loved listening to old out of context promos uh, just for the fun of it. Because Be you, careful, you're not kids
0: with fireworks. <laughs>
1: exactly, because at that point you don't have to listen to it for. Yeah, you're not yeah. listening for what the, he's actually saying. You're listening to the person and the inflection and kind of yeah, yeah. You know, what's going on. And I, I thought that was really really fun.
0: You you can hear him smiling even while he's doing an ad. Yeah. So uh,
1: again that show was really, really tough to do. And I thought they pulled it off really, really well. And just, just kudos. Cause it's, I, you know, I couldn't imagine doing it.
0: So I don't, I, I want to tell this quick anecdote about Jared, not because it has anything to do with Floyd, but I want to sort of give people some more insight into Jared. I think, you know, he, he offered a whole lot on Monday and all week on his show. I think he offered a lot to this audience on this show. Um, and I've never, I don't think I've ever told this story. Uh, hopefully the wife's okay with me telling this story. Um, I was at sec media days, my first year working at the station with him. And this would have been summer of 17. And I got a call. I was out at a, at a bar and I'm going to reach down and pick up some names here, but I was sitting next to, you know, Dari Noka and Bo Mattingly and these sec, you know, geniuses. And, um, Dari's had an interesting past with his kids. He lost a son at a very young age. I got a call from my wife who was in an ambulance with our eight-month-old daughter. And I'd already had a couple of beverages and I I was freaking out, not knowing what to do. Should I leave Birmingham? Do I need to get a designated driver? Do I need to fly back home? Like, what do I need to do? And she assured me that everything was okay. Everything was going to be fine. Dari and Bo and Jared Stillman are sitting there. I am inconsolable. And Jared probably spends what should have been 3 or 4 hours networking to grow his brand and get to meet people and get to talk to people at SEC Media Days. He spends the next 3 hours by my side making sure that everything is okay. And he walked me back to the hotel room. I had maybe consumed a few more beverages after that because of anxiety and he never he never left my side to make sure everything was okay the entire evening. Um and that I just want to say that to show the type of person that Jared is because he does not always show that on the air. So um, I've never told that story before. I just wanted, I just felt the need to share it in this moment. I don't know. So
1: no, that's awesome. That's, 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 that's really, really cool.
0: He's a good dude. And, uh, you can give him a hard time on Twitter and on his show, but just know he's a pretty good dude. So, um, all right. Anything else from that? I again, again Floyd, I can't add anything to, to the story of Floyd Reese, Steve, when you think about an NFL executive, a general manager in the front office of the most powerful sports franchises in the world. Think about how they dress, how they walk, how they act, how they talk, how they, how they quaff their hair. Everything about Floyd Reese is the opposite of what you're thinking about right now. Mainly because he didn't have any hair. It's it's just the opposite. He absolutely no ego, completely approachable, totally humble, smiling and happy, kind, caring, compassionate, wearing geriatric new balances everywhere he went, just like the the sweetest, kindest man you'd ever imagine, and um, just grateful that I got a couple of years to to call him a coworker. So
1: I, I thought Jared's answer was was pretty interesting when when I asked him if if he should have been in the Ring of Honor sooner. I mean, I, the obvious answer is yes. I mean, he spent t- so he spent twenty years with the franchise, uh, four as a four as a coach, and then before moving into into the front office and eventually as the as the GM. And then I think, I think his final title was what executive vice president or, or, you know, he had, he had a bigger title than, than just GM there towards the end. Those things don't always end well. And nobody likes to talk about how they didn't end well, you know, and it's tough because you, know, you build this big winning thing and then you have to tear it down. And it's really, really hard if you're an executive because you know, those, those 06 teams, you know, ended up sliding into the, those mid-aughts teams slide into what became like the eight and eight Titans that we joked about for a decade. And there was obviously something there between him and the franchise. And he wanted to stay in football because he ends up with another stint with the Patriots. And I'm I'm glad that got resolved. I'm glad it got resolved, you know, sort of during his lifetime so that you know, he knew he was going to, he was going to have this honor, but I, I, you know, it's a, it's been an oversight on the, yep. on the, on yep. the Titans part. And, and, and it's good that it, it's good that this thing finally gets fixed.
0: Yeah. And, and, you know, listen, he's, I think the anecdote, John Robinson, I think shared it first. Um, I know it's been written about elsewhere in various places, but the anecdote about him, Floyd Reese, the first time he speaks to Steve Underwood is to, to go to bat for his friend, John Robinson, to get the job to the person who fired him, I mean that—that's you know, like that's the, that's the only thing you really need to know about Floyd Reese to understand the type yep. of person he was. Like, if, if you hear that, you kind of get it. You kind of know everything there is to know. So, thank you again. I cannot say it enough. Thank you to Jared for being gracious enough with his time to uh, talk about something that obviously is is very heavy and very serious for him, and, and we are very very grateful. Um, so, let's wrap up here on a totally different note, <laughs> uh, and uh, we'll go to recommendations here before we uh, uh, send you off for your weekend. Uh, I'm going to go first here, Steve, and maybe it's not a lighter note. I I watched the Mouse at the Palace documentary on Netflix. Awesome. Uh, Fascinating look at the different components. And what I love about this documentary, unlike The Last Dance, for example, every major key player and component was willing to sit down and talk about it. So you had Ron Artest. You had Reggie Miller. You had all the coaches. You had even police detectives in Detroit. You had you had uh, you know, Stephen Jackson, you had Jermaine O'Neal, you got everybody to talk about it. Even some of the fans that were involved were, were there to talk about it. And it's a critical piece of building a great documentary, is having the entire picture to tell it. I learned things that I don't necessarily think I even remember when I think about it. I just think about our tests going into the stands. I, at the very end, and I don't want to spoil it, but at the very end, every one of these guys is basically like, and I don't want to Fucking talk about this shit ever again, <laughs> and and and, and I, I was left hanging. I wanted I wanted res I want to know what the relationships are like because there was a lot of tension between Miller and our test and Jackson and O'Neal because our test left and went want to want a championship with the Lakers. Miller retired. There was tension there at the end of the documentary, and they don't. I, I want to know what their relationships are like today. I love the way it ended, but and I'm not trying to spoil it here. It's it happened 20 years ago but I I I, they got to the end and I was like no 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 there needs to be 15 more minutes telling me like does does Ron Artest talk to Jermaine O'Neill anymore are they buddies I want to I want to know about their relationship so go check it out it's awesome you wanted you wanted the end of Animal House where they where
1: they where they give you where everybody is today and kind of what their relationship is
0: like everybody's clearly doing well they're all like sitting in mansions telling these stories but I just I just want to know like are, are you on speaking terms with, with Ron Artest? I met a world piece, whatever his name is. I want to know, like, are you on speaking terms? Like, I think it would be, I, I don't know that that's the only complaint, but otherwise it was amazing. It was fantastic. The footage is crazy. Reliving it. It's, it's a great documentary. Go check it out. It's worth worth your time for sure. Awesome. I'll check it out. Um, my recommendation
1: is a magazine piece. Um, if you're listening to this pod, you're, you're probably into media stories. Andrew Bujan, who uh, I've known for a bit, uh, is a is a uh, an editor at, at Washingtonian, and he has a great piece on a lot of the kind of <laughs> a lot of the publications in D.C. Uh, whether it was Washington City Paper that I used to edit, or Washingtonian, or a couple others, um, all end up writing about the Post at some point because it it's sort of this sort of you know, Death Star of media there in, you know, in <laughs> Washington, DC. There's a lot of former staffers in, in inside there that we know. And so when Marty Baron announced that he was going to leave and kicked off the sort of succession process, Andrew Bujan has maybe the best uh, and most definitive account of what happened in this and how they ended up with Sally Busby. And Sally Busby was running the Associated Press. And I think he rightly notes sort of within the, uh, with, within that piece that that you know the leader of a wire service you know 20 years ago was not going to get a sniff at a at, at a prestige newspaper job they were different sort of things and he goes through and talks about like every single candidate who was up for it and why they did or didn't get to where they did and and he has a lot of connections in with the publisher and 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 real some really good scenes with Bezos Jeff Bezos the owner and it's just an excellent, I mean, it's an excellent kind of inside media piece. And if you like those sorts of things, and if you care at all about, you know, big institutions like the Washington Post and Bujan does this great job of kind of like setting where the post is since Bezos bought it and kind of what they're, what they're going to be going forward and what their ambitions are and how the, and how it's been kind of transformed. It's, it's, it is a great, great piece. Uh, I highly recommend it for anybody who cares and all about uh, about media pieces, again, it's in the Washingtonian, and the, the title on it is Inside the Plan to Make Jeff Bezos' Washington Post the Everything Newspaper. It's really, really excellent.
0: I would assume that if you're listening to this portion of the podcast, you I mean, are into media, <laughs> I mean, media content. If you, can't,
1: if you can't do niche here, I mean, where the, where the <laughs> right, fuck exactly. are you going to do
0: it? Exactly. Um, I will have, I have one before we uh, say goodbye to Jasper's, of course, and or say goodbye and Thanks, Jasper's. Excuse me. Um, Before we put Jasper's down, (laughs) he is a dog. Uh, (laughs) That's what it sounded like. Before we, Jasper's is going to live on a farm. (laughs) Now I got to leave it all in. Uh, (laughs) um, I I do want to bring up one quick complaint. Uh, Obviously, you know, thinking about all the people out in Waverly and all the things that they're dealing with um, through all this stuff, but. I don't want to have a conversation with you about this, Steve, because I'm going to get upset about it and I'm going to get worked up, just like we had last week on the show when we talked about the coverage of the Afghan war and how it's so complicated. Um, That was one complaint. I have another complaint about media as it pertains to weather events, in particular in a city like Nashville, where we continue to have insane record setting weather events. How about one of you does some research on why we are having some record setting weather events and include that context? In your reporting from now on, at some point, someone's going to do this instead of just saying, Look at all this destruction, look at all this devastation, look at how this has happened, look at this, look at this. Four tornadoes in 20 years. How about you find out why that's happening? Because it's not that hard to figure it out. So, you're saying that maybe placing some of this within the context of, Oh, maybe half Other of our country is on fire global yeah. phenomenon just explain to the like i am living in a small town in tennessee i need to know why there was a record-setting flood in my city so that i can better prepare for it in the future that applies but- to my neighborhood and tornadoes that applies to everybody in the market and the media needs to do a better job of contextualizing why these things are happening by the way if you if you, if you want if you want to if you want an
1: explainer, uh, a graphic explainer of physically how it happened and not like the contextual reason, but but just like what happened on that day., uh, if you look in my Twitter feed from a couple days ago, I linked to a New York Times uh, graphic that is just absolutely fantastic that explains, essentially in terms of topography and where the rain fell and how it came down in the the most rain fell at these kind of higher, I'm going to almost say elevations because it's not like they're in the mountains. It's top. But it's
0: topo related, though.
1: It is topo related, and you know, Waverly being down downhill from a lot of this stuff is right, is right. absolutely why you had some of this flash flooding the way it did.
0: All right, I feel I feel a little better. Thank you for letting me do that. Um, hey, we you're have, welcome. We could have like hours of conversation about these these sort of things that drive me nuts about media coverage, uh, but that's why that's why we have a podcast about it. So, uh, Steve, <laughs> Steve, I do appreciate it. Uh, where can people find you? They can find me on Twitter at Scavendish. Uh, if you want to see some
1: uh, dog and tomato uh, vine pictures, uh, you mm-hmm. can follow me on
0: Instagram at Scavendish. You can follow me at Braden Gall. Lamestream Sports is brought to you by Jaspers. It's always brought to you by Jaspers, home of
1: free parking, great food, the best place to watch a game, boozy popsicles, and did by the way, did we say free parking? Yeah, it is yeah. the next evolution of the sports
0: bar. Yep. Absolutely there's free parking and football is coming folks you are going to have a you need a place to go plop down and for 3 hours maybe 6 or 9 hours straight watch college football on Saturdays you're going to need a place to do that and, Jasper's and, is the place and by the way you might as well you might as well eat really well when you do that what a freaking idea steve what a novel concept go to Jasper's genius go to Jasper's everybody Special thanks to Jared Stillman for joining us. We love you, Floyd, and every one of your family members. We love you guys. For Steve Cavendish, my name is Braden Gall. This has been Lamestream Sports on the 440 Sports Network.